Hi, welcome to Bookie, which unlock big ideas from world bestsellers in audio, text, and mind map. Please download Bookie at Apple Store or Google Play with more features, get your free mind snack now. Today we'll unlock the book How Will You Measure Your Life? Have you ever asked yourself, what is the most important thing in your life? How will you spend your life? Maybe these questions sound difficult to you right now, but after listening to this bookie, you might have the answers. The main author of this book Clayton M. Christensen is a professor at Harvard Business School. He is not only a master of management thinking, but also an influential business thinker. We have previously discussed a series of books written by him, such as The Innovator's Dilemma, the revolutionary book that will change the way you do business, The Innovator's Solution, Creating and Sustaining Successful Growth, Seeing What's Next, Using the Theories of Innovation to Predict Industry Change, Competing Against Luck, and so on. He is known as the father of disruptive innovation for his theoretical contributions to this concept, and has been highly praised by Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Andrew Grove and others. After observing his college students for years, Christensen noticed an interesting phenomenon. During the fifth-year class reunion after graduation, everyone dressed glamorously and appeared to be ambitious. However, by the tenth-year class reunion, things had changed a bit. Indeed, they were as successful as expected, but Christensen found that many were not happy. Some did not like their work, while others faced problems with their marriage and family. By the twenty-fifth and thirtieth-year reunions, the situation had gotten even worse. A few people had gone to jail and some families had broken up. Nevertheless, there were still people who had both a successful career and were happy with their family life. These developments made Christensen ponder why do smart people make wrong decisions and fail in life? What can ordinary people do to avoid going similarly astray? In 2010, while suffering from follicular lymphoma, Christensen gave a speech to Harvard University graduates on how to apply business theories to life planning. He focused on three topics, finding success in your career, finding happiness in your relationships, and staying out of jail. The speech was very exciting and thought-provoking. Using it as the foundation, he worked with one of his students and an editor to complete the book. This book does not directly answer the questions about how to obtain happiness and find the meaning of life. Instead, it gives perspectives for pondering these questions. The book also provides several theoretical tools. Using these tools, we can understand the consequences of particular behaviors and explore appropriate methods to achieve specific goals. Now, we will outline this book for you through the following three parts. Part 1, Finding Success in Your Career. Part 2, Finding Happiness in Your Relationships. Part 3, Staying Out of Jail. In the first part, we will examine Christensen's advice on achieving career success. Now ask yourself, do you love your current job? Maybe many people will answer no. They had dreams, but as time went by, some dreams have been forgotten or had to be abandoned. Many people have to do jobs that are far from their dreams in order to make money, even if they dislike what they are doing. However, people spend a large portion of their time at work. If you don't like your job, you can hardly get any happiness out of that time spent. Steve Jobs once said, the only way to be truly satisfied is to do what you believe is great work, and the only way to do great work is to love what you do. Therefore, Christensen recommended that we should not easily give up on our dreams and keep looking for a job we like. How then can you find a job you like? Christensen suggests that you can develop a strategy that includes what you want to achieve and how you will achieve it. 
Christensen's strategy for finding a job you like consists of three parts. First, finding the career-related factors that make us tick. Second, balancing the pursuit of aspirations and goals with taking advantage of unanticipated opportunities. Third, allocating effective resources among your businesses. Only by combining these three aspects can you form your strategy, and this process is ongoing. Let's take a look at the first point, finding the career-related factors that make us tick. Many people regard money as the single motivating factor when choosing a job, causing them to only look for jobs that pay more. In fact, during the past 30 to 40 years, many people who work in the business and management fields have supported the view that economic incentives are the main motivating factors. If you want others to do things your way, just give them monetary incentives. However, Christensen doesn't believe that monetary incentives are truly effective. He introduced the more inspiring motivation theory, a business theory mentioned by Frederick Hertzberg in an article published in the Harvard Business Review. This theory states that if the basic conditions such as salary, security, working conditions, and company policies are not good, people will be dissatisfied with the job. Nevertheless, even if all these factors are satisfying, the person might still not like the job. What then are the factors that truly make people fall in love with a job? According to motivation theory, the following factors need to be included, challenging work, recognition, responsibility, and personal growth. These factors are called the motivation factors. In life, the motivation factors do play a role. Some people choose jobs they don't like just to make money. Over time, their positive emotions will be replaced by negative ones, and they will complain about their work all day long. In contrast, some people choose to join non-profit organizations or charities. They may be unpaid or paid very low, but they can derive greater satisfaction from such work than from mere monetary rewards. The latter successfully finds the motivation factor in their career. The book quotes an excellent old saying, find a job that you love, and you'll never work a day in your life. Therefore, finding a job with motivation factors will make you love your job more and more. It will also make you more professional and responsible. However, some people might not know what kind of work can motivate them, so what should they do? Even if we know we might not be able to secure such a job in a short time, what should we do? In addition, when unexpected opportunities come to you, should you stick to the initial choice or seize the new opportunities? Next, let's look at the second part of developing a career strategy, balancing calculation and serendipity. Here, Calculation can be simply understood as your initial career plan and your thoughts on what constitutes an ideal career. In the book, Christensen shared his professional experience. He studied economics in college and later went to Harvard University for an MBA. Christensen dreamed of becoming an editor of the Wall Street Journal during college, which was his calculation. In the first year of his master's degree, he applied for a summer position in the Wall Street Journal, but there was no response. At this time, another internship opportunity from a consulting company appeared. Although his dream was to be an editor, the consulting position attracted his attention as well. Securing this job could also ease his financial difficulties. Hence, he accepted the job at the consulting firm, hoping to gain experience through this job first, and then find a chance to eventually go to the Wall Street Journal. After working for five years, Christensen fell in love with this job, but he still aspired to become an editor. Just as he was about to apply for a job in the Wall Street Journal, someone invited him to start a company. This plan excited him, 
and he also believed that the experience of starting and running a company would make himself a more qualified applicant for positions at the Wall Street Journal in the future. Thus, he seized this opportunity to start a company and became an entrepreneur. Later, his company went public but the subsequent financial crisis caused some problems and he was forced to resign. Just as he hesitated to apply for the Wall Street Journal's editorial position, another opportunity came to him. He had a conversation with two professors of the Harvard Business School to discuss whether being a professor was something he would be good at. One of the professors decided to admit him into the faculty. He made the decision of going back to university at the age of 37 and started climbing the ladder of academia, getting a doctorate, starting as a junior professor, getting tenure, etc. For more than two decades since, Christensen has continued on the road of academia. His opting for an academic career has also changed from an initial emergency strategy to a deliberate strategy. As mentioned earlier, we have to develop a strategy for ourselves. Still, life is very long and unpredictable, and no one knows when or where the next turning point will appear. Suppose Christensen stuck to his dream of becoming an editor and refused all opportunities that appeared in front of him. In that case, he might never have been as successful as he was. Therefore, when implementing your deliberate strategy, do not reject all the emergent opportunities. We should strive to balance emerging opportunities and deliberate strategies. So, how can we make the best choice when new opportunities arise? Christensen proposed that the discovery-driven planning theory can help test whether our deliberate strategy or emergency strategy is feasible. It might be easier to think about it as what has to prove true for this to work. To illustrate how this theory works, Christensen cited Disney as a negative case. Disney had launched thriving theme parks in Southern California, Florida, and Tokyo in the past, all of which have been successful. However, their fourth site located in the outskirts of Paris was a total failure. Why? It turned out that the projections were based on a series of assumptions. The staff assumed that the annual number of visitors would be similar to those in existing parks. Hence, they used the data of other projects to predict the future number of tourists and the corresponding scale of supporting facilities. However, they made a serious mistake here. The scale of the Paris project is only one-third that of other projects, so tourists usually will not stay for three days as they would do at other sites, but only for one day. Because the basic assumptions were wrong, the entire strategy proved ridiculously wrong as well. The importance of verifying hypotheses was also mentioned when we unlocked Christensen's other book Seeing What's Next, using the theories of innovation to predict industry change. The lesson here is that when a new strategy is proposed for an enterprise, it should first check whether the basic assumptions on which the strategy is built are true. The same holds for individuals. When you evaluate whether a job is worth doing, you must first verify whether the assumptions about the job are true. Mastering the concept of discovery-driven planning can help you balance between deliberate strategies and emergent opportunities. Christensen's career experience perfectly illustrates the importance of doing so. Through a combination of careful planning, detailed evaluation when encountering opportunities, and continuous adjustment of contingency plans, you will eventually come across a wonderful life path. After finding the motivation that makes us tick and balancing between deliberate strategies and emergent opportunities, let's take a look at how to allocate resources among your businesses. A company must allocate human and financial resources and other capital to implement a strategy. Only when these resources are effectively and reasonably allocated can the strategy be implemented the next. 
Let's take Apple's experience as an example to understand the importance of allocating resources rationally. In the 1990s, Steve Jobs was dismissed from Apple. Since then, the company's resource allocation deviated from its strategy. Apple's strategy was to release a new operating system to compete against Microsoft. However, due to lax management, the team responsible for this system did not allocate the corresponding resources according to the company's strategy. Instead, the team only focused on what it was interested in, resulting in the failure to release new products. It wasn't until Jobs returned to Apple that he put the company back on track. As Intel's founder and former CEO Andy Grove said, to understand a company's strategy, look at what they actually do rather than what they say they will do. If you invest resources in a way that is inconsistent with your strategy, your strategic goal is just a wish. The same is true for the principle of resource allocation in our work and career. Hence, you need to allocate resources carefully among your businesses, figure out what you think is the most important for a job, and whether you allocated the best resources to it. You also need to consider whether you are willing to devote all your time and energy if you want to perfect your work. We are now coming to the end of part one. Suppose you want to succeed in your career, you must find out the motivational factor that makes you tick, strike a balance between a deliberate strategy and emerging opportunities, and allocate resources wisely among your businesses. Only by combining the three aspects can you achieve your goals and find happiness in your career. Today we are just sharing limited content. To unlock more key insights of world-class bestseller please download our app. Just search for B-O-O-K-E-Y at Apple Store or Google Play, get your free mind snack now.